Well, good morning. It is good to be back with you. I'm David Upchurch. I work at Lincoln Christian University. The last time I was here was March the 15th. When Casey asked me if I could come back today, I almost said no, because the last time I was here, it shut the church down for three months. And so uh, I, I hope that same thing doesn't happen this week. Let, let me do a little survey real quick. How many of you want someone to love you? Can I see your hands? How many of you want to love someone else? We, we all are looking for love, aren't we? Uh, this week, I did a Google search for books with the word love in the title and found there were over 104,000 books. My guess is there's more than that, but on this search, there are 104,000 books. There are all kinds of, of songs about love. How many of you, another survey, got to see your hands. How many of you like country western music? Let me see your hands. Oh, quite a few. For those who didn't raise your hand, your problem is you haven't been listening to the right songs. Let, let me just, I'm not going to sing these, but let me just uh, quote some, some words from country songs about love. Billy broke my heart at Walgreens and I cried all the way to Sears. If, I, if love were oil, I'd be a quart low. I like this one. Her teeth were stained, but her heart was pure. I gave her my heart in a diamond and she clubbed me with a spade. And this last one, man, this one has Valentine's Day written all over it. I miss you, baby, but my aim's getting better. Now, aren't those heartwarming and inspiring? I, I don't think that's the kind of love that Paul was inspired to talk about, to write about, when in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, he said, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. God's word makes it pretty clear that we must love other people. We must love each other. It's not an option. It's a command. It's who we are supposed to be and what we are supposed to do. I think we all know that. But what does it really mean? Does it mean that we love people who believe like we believe? Do we love people who think like we think? Do we love people who act like we act? Do we love those people who vote like we vote? Do we love those people who look like we look? No. We simply love people. That's what the Word of God teaches us. If we're going to follow Jesus, we must love people. And it's important for us to understand the way God wants us to love each other. And so we're going to walk through a passage in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John 4. John paints a picture of love for us. And the passage we're going to look at, in 15 verses, the word love is used 27 times. I would think that's pretty important. God is trying to make a point here that we need to love him and we need to love each other. So I'm going to read a portion of that right now, verses 7 through 12. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another... God lives in us, and his love is made complete 
in us. I want to look at a couple of lessons that, that we, we can uh, pull from the, the, these uh, verses. The first is that we need to look at how God loves us. And then we'll look at how we are to love each other. God is love. That's what verse 8 tells us. God is love. And when we read that God is love, we need to understand that's more than what he does. It's more than what he shows. It's, it's his essence. That everything that God does is out of that fact that God is love. That's the foundation of, the, of what we read about God in the Bible. And there are people who, who know that. There are people who will focus on God's love, maybe to such an extent that they don't really understand God. What I mean by that is when, when people say, well, God is love, sometimes we can picture God as this heavenly grandpa up in heaven, and he looks down, and no matter what we do, no matter how bad we are, he smiles and says, isn't that cute? That's kind of what I've done with my grandkids. I've got six grandkids, and my kids will tell you they don't know me anymore. Because I'm not the same with my grandkids as I was with my kids. I was pretty strict with my kids, but my grandkids can do about anything. And I'll say, oh, isn't that nice? Isn't that cute? And we can think, well, that's the way God is. But that isn't the, the, the biblical picture. That isn't what the Bible paints as a picture of God. The Bible paints a picture of a God who loves us so much that he cares about how we live. He cares about what we believe. He cares about the standards and the values that we hold. It's been said in a lot of different ways that, that God loves us the way we are, but he loves us too much to let us stay that way. God has expectations for us. But God is love, and he loves us. He loves us with this, this um, amazing love that is hard for us to comprehend. He has rules and he has standards. His word makes it very clear that he has a right and a wrong, but it's because he loves us and he wants what's best for us. So God is love. And the second lesson about God is God demonstrates his love. Verses 9 and 10 says, this is how God showed his love. He demonstrated his love in this. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God's love is not simply a love in word. It's a love in action. He demonstrates his love in so many ways, but perhaps the greatest demonstration was when he sent his son to die on the cross for us. John 3.16 tells us that God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son so that we can have eternal life through him. When I became a dad, I began to understand just a little bit better the love that God the Father has for us. I learned that early on. But as our kids grew up, it seemed like that love that I had for them kept increasing. And I want to take you back 15 years. It was 15 years uh, this past August. Uh, my daughter, Krista... I was living right here in Mount Pulaski. Her husband, Josh Weber, was the, the music uh, pastor at that time. They'd only been married about nine months, and uh, Krista called me one day, and she was crying, and she said that the doctor had, doctor's office had called, and the test that she had 
on a mole on the back of her leg had come back melanoma cancer. And the fortunate thing is it was very minor. It was stage one, and they were able to take it, and everything's been okay. But when I heard that word cancer, I prayed over and over and over, and I said, God, I know you don't work this way, but if you would take that cancer from her and give it to me, I would gladly take it. God, I know you don't work this way, but if you would take that cancer from her and give it to me, I would gladly take it. And I meant it. And my guess is most of you can relate to that. And I know God doesn't work that way. He doesn't take the cancer from one person and give it to another. And yet he took your sin and my sin and he placed it on his son who died on the cross for us. That is the way God loves us. John reminds us that God loved us first, and he loved us in such a way that he gave his son to pay for our sins so that we could have eternal life in heaven. Let's look now how we are to love each other, because the passage reminds us that God loves us, but it's very clear that we are to love each other. So how how should we do that? How should we love each other? Well, the first way is the way God loves us. Verses 11 and 12, and then we'll skip down to verses 16 and 17. John writes, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. We skip down to verses 16 and 17. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have the confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, we are like him. There's one expression used two times in those four verses that I I think we need to dwell on a little bit, uh, focus on today. It's his love is made complete in us. God's love is made complete in us when we love other people, when we love each other. When I think of this passage, I, I think every year at Christmas, we, we put up lights, and I don't do it like I used to. Uh, I, I used to put icicle lights all over around the roof, and, and uh, my neighbors, you know, they were really smart. They'd get out in the fall when it was still kind of nice. They'd get their ladders out. They'd get all the lights up. Not me. I would wait until the last minute. I would wait until it was cold and icy and windy, and then I'd have to get the lights down out of the attic, and I'd hang them up on the roof, up and down that ladder, I'd plug them in, and you know what happened. There's always a strand that didn't work. So I'd have to climb back up the ladder, and I'd have to take a bulb out at a time and replace it because if one bulb is out, that whole circuit doesn't work. And I'd find the culprit, I'd replace it, and then it would light up. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, David, why didn't you test those when they were on the ground? I've got a good answer for that. Because if I I did that, I wouldn't have this sermon illustration to share with you today. I love you so much, I'll climb up a cold ladder just to be able to share a point with you. But that's the, the picture I get here, that if that one bulb isn't right, if that one bulb isn't working, that whole strand is out. But when that right bulb comes in and that light begins to shine, the circuit is complete. That's the, the picture we have here, that, our, that God's love is made complete in us. In Matthew 5, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. 
But we cannot be the light of the world if we don't love other people. God's love is seen through us when we love other people. The second lesson we need to know about loving other people is we need to love with a love that accepts people. With a love that accepts people. We go back at verse 10 and then verse 19. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Verse 19, we love God because he first loved us. Both verses remind us that God loved us first. Verse 10 says that God loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice. Verse 19, he loved us first. My friends, I would suggest to you today, that's the way we need to love each other. We don't wait for other people to love us. We we don't wait for other people to, to do good things for us. We don't wait for other people to be nice to us. We need to love other people first. When you look at how Jesus interacted with people, it's interesting to see who flocked to him. When you read through the Gospels, it was always tax collectors and prostitutes and criminals, and the lowest of the low seemed to flock to Jesus. And I read that, and I think there has never been anyone more pure, more holy, more perfect, more godly than Jesus when he walked on this earth, and yet the lowest of the low flocked to the highest of the high. You know, when it comes to loving people today, we need to learn from Jesus what it means to accept people. Because it doesn't mean that we approve of what they do. We need to understand there's a a big difference between approval and acceptance. Jesus accepted the people who flocked to him. We're not given any indication that he approved of the sin. In fact, the indication is most of them changed their lives when they encountered Jesus. Loving people and and, uh, accepting people doesn't mean that we erase the lines between right and wrong. We need to love people enough to tell them the truth. But accepting people means that we love them no matter what. We can accept people even when they don't live the right kind of life. Let me tell you a little secret about my kids. They're not perfect. I love them, but they're not perfect. There were times when they were in high school that I'd get that call from the principal, and I'd have to go to school, and they had done something wrong. I still love them, even though they weren't perfect. Let me tell you something, a little secret about my wife, and I'm going to share this with you today for one reason. She's not here. My wife's not perfect. She's really good, but she's not perfect, but I love her even though she's not perfect. And here's what I'm really thankful for, that my kids and wife love me in spite of all my imperfections. My friends, I'm afraid that all too often the church has lost a handle on what it means to love and accept people. All too often we draw lines that, di- that, that divide us and them. We declare war on people and drive them away instead of holding out our hands and welcoming, welcoming them in. And I think about Jesus in the Gospels. Doesn't it make, just make sense that if we are the body of Christ today, shouldn't the same people who flock to Jesus be flocking to us? Why don't they? I think about that, and I think, you know, Jesus had this way. It's an amazing way 
that he didn't guilt the sin out of people. He didn't shame the sin out of people. He didn't beat the sin out of people. He had this way of loving the sin out of people. And maybe in the church today, we've taken the shortcut, and we use the guilt and the shame, and instead of coming in, we push them away. Jesus came to pay for our sins. He didn't come to erase the lines between right and wrong, but he came to pay for our sins so that we could have eternal life in heaven with him. And he wants us to love the people that he loves. And then the the last lesson is we need to love with a love that's not afraid. Sometimes we have a hard time accepting people because we're afraid that if we accept them, it will look like we approve. Or maybe the, the lines between right and wrong will get erased. But let's look at one more verse, verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We don't have to be afraid. We simply just need to love. Love drives out fear. We don't have to to wonder, what if I love that person and they don't love me back? What if I love that person, but they don't change their lifestyle? What if I love that person, but they don't become a believer? What if I love that person, but they end up hurting me? Well, John basically says it doesn't matter. Don't worry about what might or might not happen. Don't be afraid. Just love. God is love. He loves us. And he calls us to love one another. And perfect love drives out fear, so don't be afraid. Now, here's what I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess that everyone in this room pretty well knew all of that. It's nothing new. If you've been in church at all, you know we're supposed to love each other. So I'm going to try to land the plane here and just give a very practical application. I speak at a different church almost every weekend, and during the the shelter at home a few months ago, I I, I, uh, had a lot of Zoom meetings for pastors and church leaders, and I know this has been a tough time for churches. And I believe that Satan has tried to use this COVID as a way to divide churches in our country the same way our country seems to be divided on just about everything. And here's what I've seen in churches. I've seen people who... They, they want to wear the mask. They want everyone else to wear the mask. And there are people who don't want to wear a mask. And they'll point to those maskers and they'll say, well, you're walking by in fear, not faith. We need to have faith. And then I'll see some of the people wearing masks point at people who won't wear a mask and say, well, you don't love people. You don't care about people or you'd be wearing a mask. And there are churches that are divided over that. There are friendships that get destroyed because of something like a mask. My friends, if our love can't survive the debate of a mask or social distancing or not being a little inconvenience for a, a period of time, if the love we have for each other can't survive not voting for the same candidate or what songs we sing on Sunday morning or do we use a pew or a chair or all the things that we get so upset with each other about in the churches today, if our love can't survive that, then how on earth will the lost world be drawn to the love of God the Father through us? That's why love is so important. Let me read these two verses one more time. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. 
In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, we are like him. Let's commit ourselves to loving like this. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time that we, we have to be together. Uh, God, I pray that you would help us to realize how much you love us. And God, I pray that you would help us to love each other with that same love. God, I pray that we would be the light of the world that you have called us to be. I pray that your love would be made complete in us so that we wouldn't be that bulb that's burned out. God, I pray for this congregation. I pray that the unity and the love that they have for each other would be protected and grow and be shared throughout this community in the coming days. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.